0: I'm Alan Hallowell, and this is Indotechno. Welcome one and all to Season 5, Episode 3 of the Indotechno Podcast. Now, why is credit analysis and credit scoring so important to a lender, to the borrower, and even to the proper functioning of the broader economy? Risk analysis critically helps lenders mitigate potential losses and reduces the likelihood of lending to high-risk individuals. It also drives efficient capital allocation. Credit analysis helps ensure that available credit is allocated efficiently. It allows borrowers with good credit histories to access credit at favorable terms, such as lower interest rates. And conversely, it allows lenders to charge higher interest rates or impose stricter terms on borrowers with poorer credit histories, reflecting the higher risk associated with lending to them. To discuss the latest innovations in optimizing Indonesia's credit analytics process, we're very pleased to have joined us today with Yanto Yawin, co-founder and CEO of SME credit analytics platform, Vinscore. I appreciate you joining us today, Yawin. My pleasure to be able to attend your podcast. Fantastic. Yawen, can you share with our audience your path to becoming a founder and how you feel this path is different from the other personal stories of Indonesian entrepreneurs?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I believe that every entrepreneur starts from empathy for the people that feel the problem. And by that motivation, they aim to bring impact and help others by solving the problem. That's also the case that happened on my story. One day, me and team and identified the uh, bottleneck and we solve it. Then we saw many financial institutions. We benefit from it to eliminate the human error and also access to add fund resource with a cheaper cost. That's when my entrepreneur journey began. It was a challenge I was passionate about solving and uh, that patient become the driving force behind my entrepreneur and I started my company, Finscore, along with my co-founders, Rico and Yuliam, with a clear vision to empower data-informed decision. And especially on the finance industry right now, we have been on this exciting journey ever since. I love the use of the word empathy
0: in your story. Can you give us a 90-second introduction to FinScore?
1: Yeah, FinScore is an AI company providing SaaS to automate and digitize the process. We also provide them an insight and analysis. I built this stuff along with my co-founder, Rico as the CEO and Yuliam as the CTO. We in total have 40 years of experience in financial service, and also with the help of two great advisors, which is Tanis who has successful building a startup, and also Anton Chen, who has experience in banking industry for 16 years. Right now, we still focusing on helping the financial institution. We help them to automate their process to gain better insights. And also, we are using our AI model to provide insight beyond what the human can produce. In lending, the day-to-day operation process is manual and it's fairly time-consuming. This requires the analyst team to have a full concentration to go through each row in the bank statement. A single mistake will cause a wrong decision being taken and will also lead to the borrower being not be able to be repaid on the due date. So our solution address this kind of problem and we can automate the process which originally takes two other five days to one minute.
0: Now, you mentioned your co-founders a couple of times already. What exactly is the origin story of FinScore?
1: Yeah. Let me start by introducing you to Rico, one of my co-founders. Prior to building this startup, he's a credit analyst. In order to assess credit worthiness of the borrower, Rico need to go through hundreds of bank statements of transaction. And yet, the decision whether this borrower eligible for loan is on him. Me and UDM and Rico have been sitting, thinking about how can we scale our business in our previous company. And one day, I identified the bottleneck and talked to Rico about the uh, root cause of the bottleneck. And I understand the bottleneck. Then I talk to William whether we can solve this problem or not. Long story short, I said to Rico and William, why not we bring this to the market? If we solve this, there are many financial institutions that will benefit by our solution. And here we are helping the financial institution that face this kind of problem. Very
0: interesting. So, okay, Rico was your credit analytics practitioner, part of the founding team. And the current approach to credit assessment in Indonesia, speaking very broadly, seems to involve, one, onboarding the borrower, two, looking into the company's credit history through, among other things, a credit bureau check. Three, you want to get through bank statement analysis. Four, I think you're almost always doing trade checking. And then five, you're undertaking financial ratio calculations. This all before a credit decision is eventually made. Which parts of this system are broken in your mind?
1: That's an interesting question. So basically, there are two pillars in credit analysis. The first pillar, which is understanding willingness to pay. And the second pillar is understand the capacity to pay. The first pillar has already solved by many players, such as CredoLab and uh, ai 4 and many others. While the second pillar is understand the bank statement analysis, which is state in blue ocean. We could see the borrower capacity to pay by analyzing the extension that happening on the bank statement. However, this process took very long. In fact, 80% of the SME credit underwriting process is wasted on the bank statement analysis. And also, unfortunately, unfortunately, when I asked around, I realized that this is not only on our mind. Even this manual process exists 30 years ago and is still there until today. Got you. All right. Between these two pillars, as you mentioned, the willingness to pay
0: and the capacity to pay there is some painfully manual and probably not perfect processes that you're seeking to replace or improve. Tell us more about the phenomenon of quote-unquote window dressing.
1: Okay. Window dressing is a common practice on lending where the borrower with the motivation to get a large amount of loan and with the lowest interest rate, they will use this uh, window dressing method to get the financial looks healthier. Window dressing basically, is a practice where they manipulate the bank statement and they make the financial on the bank statement look healthier. And that is to make the company financial position and performance appear better as, as it actually looks like. For example, if you have a bank A account and you transfer to bank B account, and your bank B account will have money going in record showing the amount of money you transfer from the bank A, right? So it looks like you have an income to that account that makes the analyst think that you have that revenue from that bank statement. The other example is that when you as a borrower withdraw some amount of the money from bank A and you do the deposit several times to the bank B, that's also kind of the window dressing practice that they will usually do. And so if the credit analyst doesn't remove that kind of transaction from the bank statement, they will think that the amount of money you transfer is a revenue and that will lead to a uh, wrong calculation of the borrower capacity calculation that, that leads to the biased decision making. Got you.
0: So clearly, part of FinScore's AI-based analysis is designed to reveal and remove the dressing from the window, if you will. Now, Yanwin, a number of tech startups have sought to fix SME credit scoring, including CredoLab, Eureka, AI4C, and others. And I From my perspective, it looks as though traction has been quite difficult so far. What do we think they're doing wrong?
1: Indonesia, from what I experienced, most of the financial institutions doesn't really believe how the credit scoring works. I think that's the key problem that exists in Indonesia. For example, if the borrower applies to the financial institution, let's say that the financial institution wants to check their credit score, then the credit scoring provider will give them information like this borrower have 700 of the credit score and have a low risk. But the financial institution just don't understand how they produce the 700 score and how can they categorize as a low risk borrower. Not to mention that each of the financial institutions have different risk acceptance criteria. This credit scoring model doesn't really fit well if they don't understand how they work. So the problem we see is financial institutions not being educated enough to understand what. The credit scoring means basically the objective of the financial institution is very simple. They need to make sure that when they give some amount of loan to the borrower, the borrower can be paid back again when the loan is due. So one key things that you know, they will also do is to mitigate the rate of the non-performing loan that have will happen. It's scary that
0: major financial institutions, some of them don't comprehend how the credit score is calculated, but I guess it's understandable. Now, Yawen, how are we undertaking bank statement analysis better than anyone else?
1: Yeah, imagine that when a credit analyst receives a 12-month bank statement application, each of the month contains 50 pages, and that means that the credit analyst needs to go through manually one by one for 600 pages. That will lead to human error. Besides, the bank statement is actually very prone to fraud. With an naked eye, the fraud added by the fraudster is very hard to detect. The fraud example is like when there is RTGS transaction on holiday. Indonesia, actually we have RTGS transaction that can only be done in the weekday. So when the transaction that the fraudster added on the weekend or holiday, then that means that there's a high chance that the statement have been uh, edited or have been tampered. What kind of fraud that is hard to detect by human is that kind of transaction. And also the other one is the mismatch balance fraud indication where For example, they have 60 pages of the bank statement and imagine that they edit in the middle of the page, then it will be hard to detect if you don't go through one by one. In order to detect that, we create an engine and we automate the process where we read the transaction one by one for them, then they actually cannot analyze it from our result for the credit recommendation.
0: Got you. I can understand how pouring over 600 pages of financial statements per borrower can lead to the analyst occasionally overlooking things like fraud. Fraud, For me, that kind of job, pouring over 600 pages of financial statements would simply drive me crazy from boredom. Now, Yawen, walk us through how you estimate the revenue opportunity for FinScore.
1: Actually, FinScore is a niche market with a big opportunity with the total of 35,000 financial institutions, including the uh, branches. We aim to reach 25% of that by then, actually, we can raise potential ARR of 100 million US dollars with a single use case. Actually, we also have identified several other use cases in the credit process, like the onboarding, the disbursement that we haven't estimated the, as a revenue yet because we are still figuring out what kind of problem they are facing. And we are still in the phase where we validate the hypothesis to, for us to better estimate the revenue.
0: Gotcha. That's a massive total addressable market, 35,000 financial institutions. Now, how many paying clients do we currently have, Yowin, and what is our target for the end of 2024?
1: Actually, Finscore is still new. we just five months since we formed, and while bootstrapping, Finscore has shown a positive result. Currently, we have four clients that onboard with us, and hopefully the next week we will onboard two more again. We also have around 15 clients on pipeline on discussion with us. By the end of the 2024, we aim to achieve at least 5-10% until 10% of the financial institutions in Indonesia, including the top bank ones. Meanwhile, we also seek to validate whether this kind of problem also exists on other countries. That's our goal for 2024.
0: Got you. It sounds like a solid outlook. And I would love to ask you about the international opportunity, but may need to wait for part two. What is the toughest part of bringing on a new customer? Are they extremely risk-averse and reluctant to share key data, or is it
1: something else? One of the challenges on this B2B market is to convince them to use our solution, as we also believe that having a correct network is one way to acquire new customers easier for B2B. And, and you are right, they are very strict about the sharing data issue. As we call it bank statement, especially data is very sensitive, right? It requires a high level of trust to onboard them. Even some of the client requests an on-premise solution which all of the data exists on their server. But we have prepared for that kind of situation. We have created great security on handling that issue. And in server day, actually, we will destroy the file like it doesn't ever exist on our server. Meanwhile, some of the client that need on-premise solution, we already have them on that. So we prepare to install our solution on their server.
0: Interesting points on information security there. Now, you did already mention your growth aspirations. But what exactly in your mind needs to happen for FinScore to achieve that quote-unquote escape velocity or hit the proverbial hockey stick of growth? Do we, for instance, need a top 5 bank to adopt our solution? What's going to be the real catalyst to that next phase of growth?
1: Yeah, actually, it's related to the previous question. So for now, I can say that the most important part is having them to trust us about the security and the PDP or uh, personal data protection. Acquiring a license is one of the key things that we need to do. And yes, we also need to acquire top banks to help us acquire more other banks, but not necessarily the top five one. We also have talked with several potential clients, and yes, some of them are asking the question like, how many banks are using your solution right now? And who, who are the banks that are using your solution right now? That's our thing that we also need.
0: Yawen, are we saying that this is a SaaS or software as a service model? And if so, what other successful SaaS models for SMEs can we point to in Indonesia? Because I don't see a very broad embrace of it.
1: Yes, FinCore is SaaS. As of now, I also can't think of a successful SaaS model for SMEs. But I think of Jira uh, SaaS model, where we are aiming to produce a similar model on what they do means that by investing more on the platform, the switching cost tends to get higher. And also by using our solution time to time, it increases our value that we will give them. So in Jira case, the more users using their product, the more value they get because of the correlation between the team That's more that we aim to bring to the FinScore. It's sorry, yeah. when you're saying Jira, G-I-R-A? Yes, correct, G-I-R-A. It's a, a US company, but it's a global market right now. Yawen, what critical data do we need from the banks
0: for our model to work ideally? Like what kind of API access, et cetera? And how does this broader cooperation have to work to succeed? Again, I'm thinking about some startups over the past five years whose success has really been predicated on working with these traditional Old school banks. What do we need from them to help them, right?
1: Yeah, actually Indonesia itself there are around six hundred trillion rupees in credit needs that cannot be served in current professional bank. One of the problems is because the process took very long. That's the first one. The second one is actually the limited budget that they have right now. And also the last one is some of the bank actually facing small data source that they have right now. So one of the wide idea is where we can access the borrower transaction data on the bank, including if they have multiple accounts in that bank, but of course with the consent of the borrower itself. So one of the critical data that I think of is an API access to the bank directly with the borrower consent to get the transaction. And we also can understand the behavior. By that, we can actually reduce the fraud that happened on the bank statement uh, file where. Usually, uh, if we get a fraud bank statement, that means that the borrower will have a high chance that not being able to repay the loan in the future. And also, the other one is if we can collect multiple data points like the e-commerce transaction here, and also the telco transaction and many others. And addition to it, there are the credit coin players that you mentioned before, the CredoLab AFOC. Actually, we complement each other for now. It's harmonious musical performance just as different instrument and voice in an orchestra come together to create a beautiful symphony. So our solution works in harmony with the other institution that also provide a solution where we can leverage more data point to increase information where we can give the insight to the financial institution for a better credit recommendation. So this will also help us to provide a better analysis that relates to a greater value that we can provide the, to the financial institution. So Yang, I want a question
0: for you. You talk about, in the ideal, access to, obviously, as much data as possible, from bank records to e-commerce and telco data. If one represents a complete lack of data, and 10 is as much data as you need to perform what you believe to be perfect credit analysis where are we today? Are we closer to a two? Or are we at a six? Where do you think we are in terms of that goal to getting major data access?
1: Yeah, I think for Indonesia itself, I think I can say it should be below five because the data is very straight in Indonesia. Another white idea is if we want to access Indonesia, we have GoJet and Grab for the right hailing app. We also can order food from there that that's also actually one of the data point that will create a better insight for the financial institution to understand your behavior. That kind of data still cannot be accessed until now. And yeah, I believe that it be, it be, it because of the data policy issue. Also, the PDP, the personal data data protection stuff. Yeah, but if I can scale for one to ten right now, I think it should be around four for now because most of the important data to assess the credit worthiness needs. To be collected from the borrower directly itself. So if the borrower doesn't give up the data, then actually we cannot assess right now.
0: Appreciate that candid insight. Now, Yah, when you mentioned FinScore's focus on AI as one of its most differentiating strengths, I assume there are massive development considerations behind creating everything from our core technologies to our analysis modules to eventually these kind of AI-driven insights. Where can we find? such sophisticated developers in, in our attempt to achieve our development goals.
1: Yeah, actually, I can say that we have two kinds of developer right now. The first one is actually the engineer who have the backend and frontend stuff. And also actually, if you're asking about where can we find them, actually, the, the, the important part for us is the, the curiosity about the engineer and also the AI staff so that they can understand better on how we can develop the solution to our potential client. And the other one is the data science actually. So we will uh, have, a, we will need to have a very strong data science, which understand well about the AI, such as the machine learning and the natural language processing, large language model, and also the computer vision. With this kind of, with these two kind of developer, actually, we aim to create a great technology that can, with a cheaper cost of, of course. And by that, we can actually driving a better value and insight to the potential client. Got you. Now, again,
0: you've mentioned that you are one of three co-founders, along with COO Johannes Rico and CTO Yuliam Chandra. What will your personal job description or focus be in building the company?
1: As I'm a product manager itself, we prior to building this startup. And I also have a little about business background, so will be helping on building product from 0 to 1 and hopefully 1 to 100 and also about how we can grow the business quickly without without satisfying the uh, quality and of course also for the fundraising. RICO will help on the operational and acquiring more customer and also the strategy part, as well as the go-to-market strategy. So RICO is the one who will focus on the numbers on the, on our profit and loss, and he will be the one that is responsible for the profit and loss. And Julian will focus on the engineering stuff, of course, the AI and also the back end and the front end, until the machine learning stuff also. Actually we came from various backgrounds along with our FIs, like I mentioned, we have Stanis and Anton Chen who we have, who we onboard because of the experience that we can see, they will have a great value on our team. And each of the team members actually play a vital role. And I believe that with the diverse background, we are on the right path, including the right team and the right time to make this happen.
0: It's a great picture. As I mentioned at the beginning of our call, Yao your use of the word empathy as a driver to your entrepreneurial ambitions really struck me. And I can imagine your customers, your employees, and other constituents appreciate that. I also personally appreciated your candor in assessing access to SME borrowing-related data at less than 4 on a scale from 1 to 10, and I'm hoping to witness your path toward 8 or 9 over the next few years as you guys pursue that total addressable market you mentioned earlier of no less than 35,000 financial institutions. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you, Ellen, for your time. Absolutely. We hope our listeners have enjoyed today's episode. As always, please consider sharing any feedback that you have about the Techno podcast with us. Terima kasih. Sampai jumpa lagi. <laughs>